0: at LuckyLandslots.com
1: Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: We're back with a nostalgia overload. A glimpse back at sunnier times through rose-tinted spectacles. If you like the 2000s, or the noughties as they call it, you're in the right place. If you're into football, which you should be, you're skulking around on the What If Football YouTube channel after all. Then you're also in the right place. Welcome to Not his Nostalgia podcast. Each week, my esteemed pal J. Alex Rhodes again today in his Brexit Uber. Oh, Have you got any on right, for us today? I've <laughs> got a bit different today. Oh, he's, um, got his, he's got his sexy <laughs> pins out of his umbrella. Um, yeah, today.
1: yeah. That sent his subscribers through the roof. Um, <laughs> well, because we were recording during a bit of a heat wave, aren't we? So,
0: hence my oh, Miami sorry. heat. Sorry. Miami Heat Jersey we've got my pasty arms out so today we're going to yeah. hop into our time machine and to the 2000s and today we're going to look at the 2005 UEFA Super Cup Final that happened 15 years ago today between Liverpool and CSK Moscow but first we've got to talk about probably the biggest English disappointment this side of the millennium
1: yeah big time so like I think in our lifetimes it's the biggest in terms of what we didn't get to USA in 94 but no. Euros, Euro 2008 came, sort of, prime time, after a Golden Generation. We'd obviously been trek to some, yeah, albeit disappointing in the end, but dramatic and exciting tournaments. And just the thought of not qualifying for something, to me, just seemed absolutely absurd at the time. So, yeah, obviously, touched on Golden Generation before, haven't we, obviously, in the 04 Euros, which... Carried through to 06 as well, really. So, 02, 04, and 06 all nostalgic, all enjoyable, really looking back. I think you look back on them fondly. And then, obviously, after 06, Sven stepped down. Steve McLaren seemed a natural successor um, and started off well, some decent results. And yeah, it seemed all right. But obviously, the moment we're talking about here is failing to qualify after losing to Croatia in 2008 so I mean, the main thing for me is Scott Carson played in net um, and that's where yeah. it all went wrong. But it's at a time when mm. even goalkeepers were hard to come by of quality and he was he was looking good and seemed up for it. I mean I still don't know if he chuck someone in on day doing such an important match in the goalkeeper role which is arguably the most pressure, pressurised role.
0: Perhaps. Um, yeah. I mean, Steve McLaren was going towards youth. He gave John Terry, the captain, so stripping David Beckham of it, dropped him. Yeah. I mean, they, he, Campbell and David James, two big players from Euro 2004, dropped uh, David James' goalie, uh, dropped in favour of Paul Robinson. Obviously, Paul Robinson was injured that night in Croatia. I mean, the Neville's were the only ones who were over 30s that routinely played. I mean, it didn't come, yeah. to, didn't come to fruition. I mean, it's a... Obviously, now we do tend to look towards younger players to be the future, but it didn't get the results. We drew at home to Macedonia, didn't score against yeah, Macedonia at Old Trafford. That freak on goal, you, that Gary Navalone goal against Croatia away, yeah, yeah. that's a bit of a freak. All right. But we didn't All right, in the background. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, largely we did. I mean, it case that with McLaren it seemed to start well. I, I think we had a five, six nil win in the first game out around. Andara, yeah, vividly, yeah, yeah. Um and then yeah, obviously you mentioned it there, Beckham dropped, Campbell dropped. But by this game everyone went back in. And yeah, I think that, that was his biggest biggest mistake, yeah. Owen actually looking good during that run of games really towards the end of the qualifying campaign. But yeah, I mean Dropping Beckham like he should, to make a statement. I mean, I agree with bringing you through all the time. I think as an international manager, you can never stand still. More so than at club level, you need to be always looking for the next one because that many injuries and that, you know, it's all about form and you need players to, to be on hand. So to shut Beckham out entirely for me was just a bit daft. Yeah, um, I mean,
0: there's there's a time and place and place to do it. With yeah, really. exactly. And
1: then obviously, like you say, the Nevilles, but by this game, Wayne Bridge and Mika Richards are starting at full back. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I still kind of look back and think McLaren wasn't awful. I think well, now, I would still, I mean, I'm not saying I'd still appoint him, but I, it's tough. It is tough. He just seemed like, right, man, obviously, isn't this, he's a good coach. He's, he won the treble with Fergie and, obviously was under Sven for the majority of his time as England manager. So did well yeah, in Holland, yeah,
0: but... did well yeah, in Holland with RZ. Yeah.
1: developed a Dutch accent. So...
0: Yeah, well, it went downhill after England, well, after RZ really, because then obviously Wolfsburg, yeah. and he's had a lot of spells in England now as manager and they've gone tits up in a catastrophic way. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, we were in a 17 group. We had Croatia and Russia, top two go through. They obviously went through. And then sort of Estonia, Macedonia, Andorra, Israel. So those that's that should have been, you know, twenty-four points right there off those two games, four wins in each. We drew against Israel away, and then we went on a bit of a run where we beat everyone three-nil, but then lost to Russia, which was probably the biggest sickener after we'd opened the scoring, but then go on to lose. We needed to win. We needed to draw this to qualify, which. Croatia are a good team. they were already qualified, though. And it was a bit of a youthful team. Perisic, Olic, Modric, who hadn't played yeah, yeah. the Premier League yet. Yeah. So we we're expected to at least get a point. Russia we were expected to win against Andorra because Andorra are like one of the worst teams ever. And Micah Richards, I think, he was one of those where, in, like David Beckham, it was the wrong choice to move him on because as soon as he comes on in this game, he changes the entire game, go from 2-0 down to 2-2.
1: Yeah, he yeah pretty much
0: rescued it owen was back his injury had healed and he was back and he was playing some pretty good football scores yeah, yeah. for england yeah, yeah but even like the wins like 3-0 against andorra is to put it mildly crap because andorra yeah, should be getting but, oh, beaten uh, yeah i mean yeah. look us at, look at currently i was looking at england's results over the past year or two and there's like seven nil wins six nil wins against teams like bulgaria who aren't like Shocking yeah, they're sort of like no, no. bang average and you know, seven, six, five against teams like that. Whereas here, I never really fancied us to ever thrash an opponent more than by more than five or six. That's true. So, but is that
1: is that necessarily, I mean, the players at hand, like you say, we've said Maker Richards, I, I liked him in that match. Is it, oh yeah, best on Tennessee, the There's a good player. Um, <laughs> Julian Lescott obviously made quite a,
0: well. Another good player, another good player.
1: Yeah, good players now, but I think in that match they got shown up a little bit. I mean, you've Experience. got the first goal. Yeah. The first goal, obviously, Cranshaw, they all should know about him, takes a shot from distance, and yeah, admittedly, it's not his best shot it's ever taken. But Scott Carson just... Yeah. I don't know, he just doesn't approach it like he normally would. It's strange. It looks more like... His field in a like a cricket shot rather than a football yeah. shot. Yeah. It's just weird. Um and then obviously Olich sneaks through, beats the offside if we were even trying an offside trap. But
0: who knows? Yeah,
1: yeah sneaks yeah. through, slots it in, and then you two nil down. Lampard obviously got the penalty and then though, with the Peter Crouch goal deserves a mention. Lovely mm. little dinked cross by Beckham like so he did he did change it when he came on.
0: Typical Crouch think, goal that
1: crouch chest it volley england yeah. are going to the euros <laughs> and then petrich shows up that wonderful left foot swings yep. it and then breaks english hearts Slavin and Bilic goes crazy steve sits there
0: with his um yeah so. it's kind of mirrors the That's exit there. in the world cup the last world cup where the lack of experience because england did have a young team at the last world cup and then you do do need experienced players in situations, not necessarily the best players at the time, or form players, but you do need experienced players to get through matches like that. Well, you, you see with like, yeah, big time. Before, before Man United won the treble in the 90s, they had a really exciting young team, but they were a young team, so they never got well, to win it.
1: You, I mean, I think, yeah, the inexperience in that match was in those key positions, wasn't it? It was in the defence and in the goal, where it's, it's not, and you know, and it did happen when that's the case. The midfield was experienced enough. You still had Gerard Lampard, Joe Cole, Gareth yeah. Barry. I mean, obviously not loads of international experience at the time, but had plenty in the prem. So,
0: well, good enough to get through a game. It would just,
1: mm. yeah, exactly. Just those key positions, and then, yeah, I mean, would we have done much at Yara mate? Well, I, like I was... to think, yeah, I like to think we would because I just feel like with England. You always have one RBI. We always have an amazing qualification campaign, which Capello gave us, I think, twice, maybe twice. We went unbeaten before tournaments, and then. Yeah. And he did give us that sort of air, and air of we're a hard team to beat. But I still think going into Euro 08, we would have just found a little bit of something and brought the team together and give it a good go. I'm not saying we'd have been a favourite by any means, but I think we'd have got quarters
0: at least if we went Well, so let's have a look at year 2008 then so we'd have drawn Germany, Austria and Poland so Austria were co-hosts and even though they had home advantage they were fairly poor at that tournament Poland didn't have a fantastic team so you'd fancy us to get through that and then yeah. from that these, we'd be paired off against either Portugal or Turkey who qualified for the quarter-finals Portugal I wouldn't fancy us against especially with steve mclaren and that team uh yeah. turkey maybe but then you'd still have germany in the semi-finals who i would not fancy as against and obviously spain in the final so it would probably germany just have been oh.
1: they, they i think they were for a little bit of something at the time because...
0: well they just they got a semi-final in the world cup aren't they i'll be on home soil they weren't the best had a young team they had schweinsteiger closer podolsky i mean that uh, better than our players especially tournament level which is a different kettle of fish to qualification as you were saying I mean it's, the whole game changes when you get to a, a tournament yeah. when you've got to spend six weeks with a, with your teammates so I, don't, I wouldn't even fancy us to beat Portugal because even though the players like Lampard Jared were a bit wiser for the World Cup and you know would we would he have kept Beckham would he have taken him to the tournament Owen wasn't half was half the player after that injury against Sweden in 2006 Rooney was probably better, well not a goal scorer, he'd become a true goal scorer in a couple of years after this But even then at the World Cup two years after, he was shocking Yeah, So. Well, they
1: all uh, was just well, that.
0: Yeah, true uh, So if they'd have qualified it would have been a lot different But Portugal at that point I don't think would have beat them So it would have been the same story, quarter-final, probably penalties Might have even got a thrashing off Portugal, who knows Maybe Probably got beat off Turkey if we're honest McLaren's days as England manager were numbered he refused to walk so he got sacked and Fabio Capella the Lord and Savior came in a month later and he dragged us all the way to a last 16 at <laughs> the World Cup against Germany you know yeah. goal line technology and all that and then got and then resigned before year 2012 but on the basis of it all was Fabio Capella the right choice as England manager
1: no, I don't think he was I just feel like I agree with going would-be approach that we did, going sort of international, high-caliber, big name, but Capello obviously not spending any time in England and not having a good grasp of the language. I just feel like both, I mean, there's plenty of foreign managers who know the English game a lot better, and yeah,
0: it just seemed a bit of an odd one, but... The right guy at the wrong time. The right guy at the wrong time with the wrong country, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was the wrong guy for England, definitely. So, not to be all Brexit, you know, but like the only foreign manager to win a European Championships or a World Cup was Otto Rehagel for Greece, obviously German, mm. um, in 2004, which is obviously a freak tournament. So, I mean, that's, that's an outlier. So, the manager had yeah, to yeah. be, in, if we're going to take that route, the manager had to be English. So, Looking at the English managers at the time of Steve McLaren's sack in November two thousand seven in the Premier League, we've got Gary Megson at Bolton, Steve Bruce at Wigan, Alan Kirvishley at West Ham, all not good enough. You've got Gareth Southgate, Middlesbrough, not ready in two thousand and seven. And then you've got others like Roy Hodgson who was experienced, but would he you know would that be good enough for yeah. England? Who knows? Kevin Keegan, not again, please. Uh, you got Glenn Rhoda, Alan Pardew, Brian Robson, Neil Warnock, arguably not good enough for international football. So the only two I've probably narrowed it down to in 2007 are Sam Allardyce and Harry Redknapp.
1: Yeah, uh, Harry would have been a good choice for
0: me. Yeah, well, Harry Redknapp wins the FA Cup in 2008 so, <laughs> with Portsmouth. Yeah. And Sam he Allardyce, would
1: probably be the yeah. best English manager to never re- manage England, I think.
0: Well, Bri- oh, Brian Clough, the big one. Well, well, yeah. In this but, period, you mean?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> big Sam, we
1: obviously got, but then that all ended. Uh, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was a blessing in disguise. i I think Big, big, time, was big a, time. a good appointment, but then to have what and it, what happened to him was kind of
0: unfair. But it, yeah, but uh, the, now it's you know so powerful for it. It.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah but even then <laughs> the Southgate, world uh, Southgate's appointment then was an in-house appointment from the under 21s yeah. just like McLaren's was here because he assistant managed at the 2006 World Cup and obviously before so it's the same sort of style as a pro- of approach except Southgate got a young same approach as mcLaren got a young youthful team into the semi-final of a world cup whilst mclaren couldn't get us into a tournament so there's not there's quite a lot of similarities between the two. obviously both dreams ended with Croatia as well so yeah there's some similarities in the in the decade that have passed really right so let's go back in time to 15 years ago and we all know where we were when the 2005 UEFA Super Cup final was played and it was between Liverpool European champions and CSKA Moscow dark horses in the UEFA Cup the previous season Daniel Carvalho scores early for the Russian side but equalised by our good friend Jibril Cissé's late late equaliser and uh, with the tide turning extra time CSKA picked off by Cissé and Luis Garcia completing a route either side of half-time and the lineup for Liverpool's Champions League final Dudek, Finnan, Carragher Herpia, Jimmy Traore, Alonso Garcia Gerard Risa, Kjul Barros, and with Dietmar Harman Smica and Gibral Cissé coming off the bench are Liverpool greater than the sum of their parts to an extent in this time because that ain't a Champions League winning team in my opinion no. you've got Carriger and Herpia in centre defence yeah they yeah they're good world-class Alonso Gerard, Risa Kuhl not by this point and Garcia are bordering along that yeah. and as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago G- Gibral Cissé maybe um so when it, obviously when you compare that to the sort of galacticos as it were of Milan in that t- in that team i think in my opinion they are and they weren't they were by no means the best team in England at that point obviously didn't win a league or had barely won an fa cup the season after on penalties against west ham
1: yeah i mean the man I'm, i thought it's a tough question it is a tough question but yeah i look at that team and i think no, not they, they. could, yeah. You could argue they're a cup-winning team. Yeah, you know you have these teams that rely on momentum really, and yeah, I know what you're saying with that team. I don't think it's consistent with with its quality throughout the eleven, but enough star quality to get them through, and enough sort of star quality to build momentum in title tournament, like, yeah. not a champions
0: league so yeah. a bit like yeah, Chelsea like, in the 90s chelsea in the 90s were a great cup team i always remember them yeah like you know you had all the italian players all the foreign players potrescu etc are obviously the and it's one of them where well, but i think even they had more star quality than liverpool in this era obviously gerard is world-class alonso carriga dude push as well obviously showed himself in that champions league final but
1: yeah yeah
0: as a hero like saving shevchenko's penalty
1: it's a bit of a conundrum really because obviously you look at the players has brought in after this campaign. Well, yeah. sort of, after Around the, Champions the same League time. final, He arguably built a better team with a better spine. You yeah. know, so you yeah. know, had and Mascherano, Torres, Gerard. Yeah, they class. didn't do as well in the yard in Europe, so it is well, strange.
0: Two years on got to the final, same opponents, yeah. you know, well, yeah. You've got players like Dirk Kautadadu, who wasn't a complete failure, but I'd struggle to say he's world class. He's a bit like Luis Garcia in that respect. Zenden was probably a bit, bit beyond his peak. Peter Crouch, you'd probably think he's world class, but for me, he's still sort of like, on again, not not even on the cusp, really. I mean, Dan Agger uh, could have been, had the potential to really. Bellamy, had never times, really got. Yeah, at times, yeah. And then you've got like the failures like. Alberriera, Robbie Keane, Aquilani, Maxi yeah. Rodriguez, Jermaine Pennant, Sissoko in midfield. I mean, it was hardly, you know, by great players. Like,
1: you can blame him for some, you can't like blame him for signing Robbie Keane and Aquilani as well. well I mean, Aquilab, that, yeah. that was they were trying to do as a whole. We're a big club. We're going to sign one of the highest names in Europe yeah. at the time.
0: It doesn't always work and it flops, whereas Dietmar Hamann and Vladimir Smitsa, played in the 2005 Champions League final, arguably smaller names, but accomplished yeah. more in the game because they were in teams that were greater than the sum of their parts. So in the league, over this sort of period, in Benito, let's call it Benito's time, between 2004 and 2010, they got second place in the league once, third twice, fourth once, and finished outside of the top four twice. So the, the only really challenged I would say, in 2008-09. Won the FA Cup, obviously, got to a final of the League Cup, two Champions League finals. But there were always teams in England, mainly Arsenal, Man United and Chelsea, as part of that big four, who had better players, more experience in Europe. But even the Arsenal, who was in the final, sandwiched in between Liverpool's two finals in the 2000s, they couldn't get it done. And they had, the like, Sir Campbell, Vieira, Henri, Lundberg, Perez, Lehmann, Ashley Cole. So it doesn't... Liverpool probably probably... Wenger's probably a better manager than Rafa Benitez in terms of what he's won and how his influence. But I don't know. He just, he's just a bit like a god to players, yeah. as we spoke previously on this podcast. bit of a god to his players and his supporters, perhaps more importantly to sort of Anfield and the whole aura, the European aura around that. So perhaps he was able to just g's players up for bigger occasions. They've seen him beat like Real Madrid and Juventus and teams like this, Milan, a couple of times, and they were nowhere near the quality. But they had just they just had this sort of intangible, intangible thing yeah. that they could just get over the line. Chelsea as well, probably better team in Europe and yeah. in England.
1: Yeah, well, it's the whole cop effect in it. That's what they say, but.
0: Mm. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna play a little game here of UEFA Cup winners, right? So the winners of the UEFA Cup haven't always qualified for the Champions League, and that's recently has become a prize for winning the tournament. So I'm gonna start from 2000, and I'll list you the winners of every Euro- UEFA Cup slash Europa League. I want you to stop me when you think the rule of the winners of the UEFA Cup got into the Champions League. I want you to stop me when the rule came into place. So starting from 2000, you've got. Galatasaray, right. Liverpool, Feyenoord, Porto, Valencia, CSKA, Sevilla, Sevilla, Zenit, Shakhtar, Atletico. Stop. Right, so, you're five years out because oh. you stopped me in 2010-2011. T- yeah. So, it came into effect in 2014, 2015 season. So, my point there is, people say that UEFA Cup slash Europa League doesn't matter. Or hasn't mattered compared to the previous couple of decades and the caliber of teams there I'd argue in the 2000s so Liverpool, part Porto. Liverpool, Porto both Champions League winners. Sevilla pretty decent team but like these aren't sort of apart from like you know Zenit, Shakhtar, CSKA. They're not top European teams as in the 90s we had Juventus, Inter Milan, Ajax, Bayern. Winning
1: the U.S. Yeah, Cup. yeah, yeah. There's sort of that B, that little underneath.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like yeah. second tier. Whereas yeah. recently, before 2015, 2014, you've had like Chelsea, Atletico. So there's no real pattern to it. No, and since true. and since it came into effect, you've had Sevilla win it twice, Atletico win it again, Manchester United and Chelsea. So there's not really mm. a pattern to it meaning more in terms of the winners well no it's like it's not i don't think there's much of a pattern because you've always got these teams that are going to go on to win the champions league liverpool porto valencia who all won it before they went on to win the champions league you had it in the 90s juventus won it twice before they won the champions league ajax did Bayern did so Maybe severe. often. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I don't think the importance of it has changed when you, get, especially when you get to the the knockouts and the later stages. The same caliber um, of teams that are always. You could, there.
1: Easily, you could see United winning, well, possibly winning the Champions League next year.
0: Well, maybe, maybe, but and you wouldn't has, have
1: ruled out Chelsea winning it this year. I don't, I don't
0: think you yeah. would. The the importance of it hasn't changed is my point because, like '90s, you've got. 90s, 2000s, 10s, well into now, we still still in the same sort of second tier slash up and coming big team. So winning the tournament. So Manchester United coming back from Ferguson. Chelsea, I mean, they're always on the rebound out they, from something. I mean, in the 90s, you've got Bayern working towards something big. You've got two Champions League finals in three years. Juventus win five European finals in a row. They won it in the early 90s a couple of times. Ajax paired off a UEFA Cup win with a Champions League win in quick succession. Porto have, Liverpool have. Valencia sort of went the other way where they were, they were what that established second tier team alongside the likes of Sevilla, Zenit, Shakhtar, Atletico at the time, but have since become a big team. So that's sort of in both camps there.
1: I think it depends on the team. I mean, if Wolves went and won the Europa League, I think that would have been huge, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, if,
0: yeah United, it would
1: if United win it, it's a bit of a... Mm, but obviously, it's it's still to be respected. But it means a lot less to Man United than it does to Wolves.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Well, speaking from a, a personal sort of point of view, we've as a Manchester United fan, with Champions League football wrapped up. It does change things. Like it becomes more of a bonus. Like the F, even though the FA Cup is huge, and the UEFA Cup should be huge, it doesn't feel like that to a lot of people. But it's still a big tournament to win. So. How fussy
1: is gonna be. So say if like not really. Champions League is a ten, winning the Champions League is a ten. To yeah. me, as any club football fan, that's the holy grail. More yeah. than any more than the Premier League or whatever league you're in. But obviously United now will be in the Champions League no matter what, finished third. So again, being it'll happen by now. But if United win the Europa League, if Ten is winning the Champions League, how like happy are
0: you? Um I'd put I'd put the UEFA Cup as a seven, I put the FA Cup as an eight, and the league as a nine. Sort of, if if you know, but all all these sort of um, the importance becomes flexible in the terms of a personal's season, like twenty seventeen. It then became a ten because you had to win it for Manchester United. In yeah, twenty seventeen, they had to win it to get into the Champions League. So then it becomes a ten, the league less, and obviously the league cups like a six because it's what it's just the FA Cup and the Europa League. It depends on how long you longer you've won it. Like to West Ham fans or Everton fans who won it in like nineteen eighty mm, or nineteen ninety five, it means a lot more to win an FA Cup. Whereas to say Arsenal next season they've just won it, so it won't mean as much. Obviously, it's a bonus. Like we United, it's a bonus. Uh, the UEFA Cup is as well. Um, mainly, it should be the league. It should, it should. Every cup should be as important, but. These financial implications. In terms of finances, UEFA Cup is more important, much more important than the FA Cup. But obviously, it isn't. <laughs> no way, is it? But it should be Champions League, League, Domestic Cup, alongside a secondary cup like UEFA Cup. And then, obviously, way down the ladder, League Cup and Johnson's Paint, if your team's lucky enough to be in the Johnson's Paint or whatever it's called now. <laughs> check-a-trade trophy yeah or leasing.com or whatever it is so
1: yeah
0: yeah sorry yeah yeah. before we leave the inertia of the footballing world we're going to bring you a 2000s trivial teaser and last week our player was a winger he was born on August the 12th 1977 he was managed by Jose Mourinho Steve Bruce he had played alongside Juan Sabre Veron, Damien Duff David Dunn, Diego Simeone and Christian Eriksen he was of course Jesper Gronkia.
1: <laughs> well done if
0: you got that. <laughs> well, yeah, well done if you got that, because that's probably that the hardest one. I thought,
1: yeah, I wouldn't say that.
0: that's a tough one. So, obviously, it played with Veron at Chelsea, played with Duff at Chelsea, played with David yeah. Dunn at Birmingham, mm. and I've forgotten where he played <laughs> <laughs> football with the other two, Simeone and Eriksson, but it was managed by Mourinho at Chelsea and Steve Bruce at Birmingham. So, this week, his date of birth is the 18th of May, 1978, and he is a centre-back. He's been managed by Luis Felipe Scolari, the Brazilian, and Claudio Ranieri, the Italian. And his teammates, some of the players he's played alongside, are Scott Parker, Kaka, Jersey Dudek, Anthony Martial, and Hulk.
1: Yeah. So, I, well, I think I know it. You know that I think that. So, I'm going to say it. Unless you want me to. But yeah, it's yeah. The key there is Hulk, I would say.
0: Is it? Really?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's. There's a bit of a there's a bit of a thing. So Scolari's Brazilian managed the Brazilian team. Hulk's Brazilian. So it could be a Brazilian yeah, centre back. It could be. Kaka's could be, also yeah. Brazilian. But then again, Jersey Dudek is, is Polish.
1: Brazilian. Yeah, exactly. So
0: if you think you know the answer, <laughs> big red herrings, please leave it in the comments section and the answer will be revealed next episode. We got any other business before we head off to the...
1: Yeah, so obviously last podcast, we touched upon our away days and we've done a few away days in the last couple of seasons. So i gone to see fairly random team, close-ish to where we live. Um, and we started with Atkinson Stanley, didn't we? So I've yeah, done a yeah, little rating system. So we'll talk about the town,
0: oh yeah, yep.
1: pubs, and the ground itself. Yeah. Rate them all out of five. And then at the end, we'll see where we're Obviously, we've only done what four. We want to do a hell of a lot more.
0: Yeah, yeah. If,
1: if coronavirus allows it, going into the next season. and oh, um, we'll see but, it yeah, after next. <laughs> hopefully, this will whet people's appetite for, for us to go away a bit more.
0: So Accrington played Charlton in August 2018, was it or something? Yeah, I think it might have been then. Yeah, that
1: sounds about right. A town that had potential, but it just lacks investment, like any—not like any northern town, but a town that's 20 miles from Manchester and Liverpool, Mm -hmm. fairly close to Blackburn. Yeah, um, pretty rough. (laughs) I'm telling the truth.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's just one it, of, had just had one of these satellite towns where it's just yeah. like sort of like a bit like what um, <laughs> Bradford is to Leeds now, I'm kidding. A bit like like Halifax is a bit the same. There's parallels like, there
1: because like obviously Bradford yeah. suffers from being so close to Leeds. People yeah. just tend to go to Leeds. Um, yeah. Hopefully not for the football, but that's different. <laughs> yeah, so Crinton, obviously we got there, didn't we? Got off the train, went to a railway pub. Which had more TVs than Dixon's. It
0: was mad that, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it was like a TV on every crevice, wasn't <laughs> it? But none of them on.
1: T- none of them on, yeah. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think every pub we went to, that probably ended up being the nicest. But they all seemed fairly. They were a low bar.
0: They were a bar.
1: Yeah. They are, they're all your sort of mm. St. George's flag meat yeah. raffle sort of pub. <laughs>
0: I mean, right. But then again, it depends what you want out of a town or a city or a pub, really. Cause, time, yeah. I mean, for me, the the quality of pubs there, they weren't any like, I mean, you say ropey. I mean, I don't think they were any like, really like, they weren't any dangerous or any like no, no, no. pubs like that. we were all sort of like, the people, all on the I same level. I
1: want to say, oh, yeah. yeah. Want to say the people were very welcoming.
0: Um, I, th- I think that can be said for all these towns though, that we've been to. It's enough, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
1: I'm giving that Crimson for the town two point five out of five. And the point five is because it could be great. And I think one time it probably was a great town, but it's in the industrial like, revolution. By yeah. Thatcher's Britain, etc. And that's Well sort of probably, shit.
0: yeah. Probably long before so, that. Yeah. Transportation being more accessible probably is a big factor into sort of these towns being not as successful as they once were too. Big time,
1: yeah. So, boozers, I'm going to go two out, two out of five for the pubs, yeah. just because yeah, they're a bit, bit dead. I think what, what is good mm. about you can do a nice little route. So we went to railway, didn't we? And then we yeah. went up to the That's weather streams, which was a decent weather streams, to be fair.
0: Yes, yeah, it was the, yeah, it's up there, it's up there. I mean, there's some that we've been to have been absolutely shocking. Like for, we'll yeah, get yeah. onto it next week, but yeah, <laughs> the one in Accrington, I thought we're all right.
1: Yeah, and then we went sort of, it's on just one road, in it, up to the ground, probably like nearly a mile to the Wham Stadium and a couple of pubs on there were decent, we made them, yeah. we sort of did one on the way up and a couple on the way back and those were nice enough too. So, yeah, yeah, the one where we played darts yeah. in is
0: probably the worst pub that we went into, the one that we played darts in, but I don't know if that's because yeah. everyone looked, viewed us through suspicious eyes. but I mean I, well, a give... big
1: game one weren't I'm sure Chelsea versus someone we were on the TV. And oh, way.
0: Chelsea, Arsenal, yeah. We are throwing just darts. arrows across yeah. the pub. <laughs> so
1: yeah, we surprisingly got out of air alive.
0: Um, probably rank the town the same way you, two and a half out of five pubs. Yeah. I'd, give it, I'd probably be a more, bit more generous and give it a three and yeah
1: you like those sort of places more than me yeah
0: well it it sort of depends i mean i'm i'm not adverse to like going to bars or a cocktail place or whatever or like nightclubs but like it it has to work i mean the pubs were sort of like average sort of like boozers, typical working class pubs aren't they so it's like yeah yeah There's, there's plenty of places like in the town where i live so i mean i won't uh, but there's also a mixture of bars, which they want in Akrington, which probably lets it down a tiny bit. But it's not like well, the customer base is not really much scope for yeah, a exactly. cocktail bar in Akron. A town, A town
1: shouldn't ever be tried to be something it's not.
0: Well, like what mine's trying to be at the minute.
1: Yeah, well, you could argue some places went to are uh, doing that a little bit, but we'll get onto that in the coming weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah, big time.
1: Ultimately, Akron and Stanley, I love the WAM stadium. Well, I say love, that's a bit strong, but I was charmed oh, yeah. by it. I think where we went, obviously, there was a Restance. ticket fiasco, which I've not put in the notes, actually. There's a bit of a ticket fiasco on there, so you'd left them, you'd arrange to like collect them at the ground. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not an unusual thing to do, really. No. Um, and then Yastav had, had to ask about six different stewards on where to go. And then the best bit was where you went into the place, and then they sent you back out and you had to go to like some little hole shed, in the wall yeah, yeah. of the same shed, and then give your name. And then they got yeah. the name wrong, which is always good. Um, oh,
0: yeah, as they often do. They?
1: <laughs> but yeah, apart from that, once we were in the stadium, I liked it. I think it suits League One slash League Two that level I, of football perfectly.
0: I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think it's not. It's a non-League ground, isn't it? <laughs> nah. No, uh, well, come on. It's I a mean, big
1: non. If you're a big non-League team, maybe. But, but I think especially but, now, they've developed since we went. So like, obviously, we went. And that one stand. The top. The, the stand God. opposite to us, <laughs> the stand opposite to us where the away fans sat. had only no want it but it is now, and there's oh, also wow. another stand, another stand parallel. To that pitch, wasn't built, which wasn't built at the time, but has now been built.
0: Oh, is um, that is that quirky Rubik's cube in the corner? As well. I don't know if that's still there. Yeah, <laughs> I think that
1: was like the media centre one. Yeah, well,
0: I don't if that's still there look at the grounds in the in the non-league at the minute right so you've got knots county much better it's obviously a football league stadium chesterfield obviously a football league stadium barnet have redeveloped their stadium better stadium the shea better stadium oh come on one, it, oh, come on it is there's it's one better. stand i don't know if it's better. oh it is there's one stand that's dog shit, and there's two st- Standing ends either at the end of the uh, ground, which are better ends than the ones in Accrington,
1: but no, the, that one refurbished that.
0: stand which are better. But then again, I About mean, facilities. I mean, we went to. I've been to the share once with you,
1: but I don't really remember much in the way of facilities. No, I
0: don't remember going. I think the the stand that we went to is fine. I mean, if you go to some of the other stands, it's a bit ropey in terms of facilities. But in in terms of Accrington, the facilities you can't really fault because you can go out into the concourse I don't I can't remember if it even it was a concourse I might have just been a couple of sheds one it, it like a couple of huts I outside, with drinks so, yeah
1: what more do you need
0: I mean, it a couple of huts with a sh- a, was drink drinks and then another one with food and another one with toilets. so basic as you three three um you know things that you need as a human drinking food and a place for shelter to you know relieve yourself so some places haven't even had them, so I mean, you count yourself lucky, Accrington. <laughs> and obviously, let's not forget that they are, in terms of size, a non-league club, really, League Two club. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. the facilities are to be expected.
1: Suitable. It's suitable, and I think the atmosphere was good. In the atmosphere, good.
0: Anywhere. The games, as we spoke about last week, can all be classified as uh, dog rough. So, we'll leave that point. <laughs> so, it's sort of like
1: it was. It was it's absolutely good. Like so say. The atmosphere was sort of surprising because the game where Atkinson yeah. well, where Atlington is obviously close to Blackburn, better team. You're not all too in. far from Manchester, Liverpool, Bolton, yeah, all the teams mm. in Greater Manchester who are arguably are better. Yeah, Wigan. All Bolton. of them are yeah, bigger and exactly. better. Yeah, all of every yeah. single yeah. one of them. So <laughs> to have that loyal fan base, I think was was good to see and great mm. to be a part of. So big up to the oh. A.
0: They're Um, definitely scratching on a ceiling there, there, with uh, the amount of fans they can get and the fan base and how far they can get, really. uh, So,
1: are you saying town 2.5, pools 3 out of 5? What are you giving ground? Facilities.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is all based on a curve of our own experience, isn't it? So, I mean, like, probably. So, where have we been? York. Blackburn, Barnsley, and I'd say it's the second worst that we've been to in terms of ground, in terms of facilities, in terms of how to get there. And yes, I mean, atmosphere, probably the best atmosphere that we've been, but that might have been where we were sat. I mean, Barnsley was sat in, on an end and it was, the atmosphere was rubbish. Blackburn, again, rubbish atmosphere. York's atmosphere was non-existent, so in terms of atmosphere, yeah. it's the best. But in, in terms of the whole package, you know, holistic re- approach it's probably three out of five based yeah, on our own experiences obviously if we start going to like the Bernabeu it's going to be a lot different in it but based on the four that we've got at hand now yeah three <laughs> that's all we've got time for this week on the Nautis Nostalgia podcast and next week we're going to be looking at Euro 2008 again this time without England as qualification began in September 2006 and what are you going to look at for us next week
1: so, I'm going to look at that dramatic night in Moscow, of the Champions League final 2008.
0: Fantastic between Manchester United and Chelsea. And we'll find out the answer to the Claudio Ranieri slash Kaka teaser. Alex thinks he's got it, he might not have it. We've got a new teaser as well in store. <laughs> Some more musings from Alex and Kuina Pelts are on the channel. Tomorrow's throwback Thursday will be a look back at the 1995 1996 Premier League season. And on a similar vein, Monday's video. We'll ponder what happened if Kevin Keegan didn't go on that famous rant and didn't love it. And Tuesday's tier list is a ranking of the best centre backs of the 2010s. I'm at what if underscore YouTube or Jake 93 yard at Alex J Rhodes on Twitter. Abusers, complimenters, compliment tell us about the Euro 2008 misqualification from England. But until then, bye. Network.